Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. And uh, brother, it's good to see you again, Eki. And uh, we have an incredible guest that a lot of you will be familiar with. Eki, why don't you introduce our guest today? Yeah, th- this is one actually my, my favorite guys on, on Twitter. And I've actually never met him face to face and never even met him over live video until today. So it is with uh, great pleasure to introduce to you uh, our great brother in Christ to it who is um, coming down from, uh, from Canada to America, Samuel Say. It's good it's to have a, you with us, brother. It's an honor. It's, uh, I think the last time I was here might have been, was it 20, late 2020, early 2021? Yeah, it's been a while. I think it was before even Eki came on uh, as a co-host. Uh, but yeah, it's been some time. So it's good to have you back yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, fant- it's fantastic. So thank you for having me. Well, and speaking of the last time you were with us, we're going to talk today about the same subject, more or less. Um, I think last time uh, you you were on the show, we talked about abortion. And today we're going to talk about uh, abortion again, but really Mm -hmm. kind of from a different angle. And so, you know, all of a sudden now, and everyone will be familiar with this, um, we, we have for i think for most of us uh the possibility of overturning roe v seeing roe v wade overturn which is something mm-hmm. that we've probably not assumed would would be a possibility maybe in our lifetime at least i didn't uh, i never foresaw this coming but and and i think we would all celebrate that uh th- th- that coming up and and hopefully that will be um you know the ending position of the supreme court uh but this has stirred up a really big controversy within the church, and I think it's one that we need to deal with because it's become very divisive within the yep. church, and I think unnecessarily divisive yep. uh, within the church. So we're talking about the difference between pro-life or abolition, right? Um, and you wrote an article uh, that was titled something to the effect of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pro. I'm. I'm not an abolitionist on abortion or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. And just kind of for the audience, what was your thought behind that writing that article? Like, what made you say, you know, what I need to write this article? Because for for folks who know you, they know that. I mean, you're, you know, you're very active in um, trying to eliminate the, the murder of, of preborn babies, right? Um, you're very involved in, in uh, fighting against abortion, but you wrote this article um, about being pro-life rather than being an abolitionist. What, what was your motivation behind writing that article? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great place to start off. That's a great question. Um, I wrote it in part for exactly what you said, which is that a lot of people in our circles um, know my, you know, know I'm passionate about the abortion issue. They know that for several years I've been, um, you know, doing advocacy in churches and schools and major streets originally in uh, in Toronto. And this discussion has been going on for some time, but especially as in on the pro-life versus abolitionist um, um, issue. 
it has been going on for a while. So I'm like, okay, I think a lot of people might have assumptions as to where I stand. They might also be wondering where I stand because I've had some emails asking me where I stood. Um, I had never, I had, I had answered questions on social media from people on it, but I had never publicly said anything about it. Not because I wasn't willing to, I just hadn't had an opportunity yet to do so, at least in the public way or in writing. Um, but I've been planning on writing an article about this actually for about two, three years, maybe. Um, but I never got around to it because other things would come up. And I also wanted to make sure that I was uh, very well informed on the abolitionist view. I didn't want to misrepresent anybody. I wanted to study. I wanted to watch all the documentaries. I wanted to read all the pamphlets and every follow all the leaders and just make sure that I was very accurate in what I was saying. Um, but what, what especially made me write about it um, last week or two weeks ago, was that I have a lot of close friends of mine who have become abolitionist. And, you know, as I said in the article, um, you know, in many ways, some people would, some people assume I'm an abolitionist because of just what some of the things I believe or say. But a lot of people who are abolitionists, one of the concerns that I have is what you said, is that there's a lot of division, I think, um, coming from some members of the abolitionist movement. Um, again, many of them are good friends of mine, but I think there are others um, who are, I would say, divisive and saying things about other believers, uh, frankly, believers like me, that are inaccurate. Uh, and I think that that's why I was writing the article to explain, well, here's where I stand. If I have any influence on people, they could say, hmm, maybe, because, you know, I think a lot of people see, seem to believe that people who think like me are the mainstream, frankly, the ER, ER, sorry, the ERLC groups that I am, <laughs> I can't stand myself. And I want to say, hey, I'm not like those guys. I agree with abolitionism on certain things, but I think here's what I believe in abolitionism and here's why I don't agree with it. Yeah. Okay. And, and I appreciate that. And just so that everyone knows, um, you, so you, the term you would use for yourself is pro-life. Um, I would say I'm an abolitionist. Uh, Eki, what term would you use? And then we'll kind of get into these terms. Yeah, yeah, and we talked about this last week. I, I would yeah. call myself an abolitionist. But as I read Samuel Say's article, I mean, I found myself in agreement with just about everything that he said. And what I realized is that, um, is that Samuel Say, you have, you have a little bit more of a technical definition of what it means to be an abolitionist. It's not that it's not merely just the goal to abolish abortion. I think we would all agree that's our goal. Right. Um, but um, but you, you take it a step further. Uh, why don't you share with us what are some of those other um, aspects of what you consider an abolitionist is? Yeah, well, before we before we get there, Samuel, let, let me back up a little bit and just give the generic definitions maybe for yeah. people. Right. Uh, and then let's get into some of the specifics in your article. So I, I would say I, I call myself an abolitionist thinking of and looking at the, uh, the more general definition. And I think, Eki, you probably do as yeah. well. If you go to the dic dictionary and you look up the term abolitionist, what you're going to find is a definition that is uh, a person who is in favor of the abolition of something, right? Yeah. A practice uh, or an institution or a system. That by definition is just the most generic uh, er, defined uh, definition of the term. If you look up the word pro-life um, in the dictionary, you're going to find opposing abortion or euthanasia, right? So if we just take those two terms, here's the reality. Every Christian is by definition both pro-life and an abolitionist, yep, right? Yep. Now, we live in a fallen human world 
where no one fits perfectly into these dictionary definitions. And, and I think this is where the division is coming from. Um, yes. and so we're going to link your article in the show notes for the podcast. But ha- that having been said, and knowing that um, you're, you use the term pro-life, uh, we use the term abolitionist, and yet, obviously, we have you on the show as, as a dear brother and friend. Um, and so if that's any shock to anyone how that can happen, then they should definitely keep listening to this podcast. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit now, uh, like Eki said, kind of kind of use uh, help us understand your definition of abolitionist and maybe uh, help us understand how you've come to understand the definition the way you do. Yeah. Uh, before I do that, to help confuse perhaps people more right now until we get to the definitions, I would also say I'm an abolitionist, which you've pointed out before. And in the, in, in the article, I mentioned that, you know, I think my opening is like, um, I am anti-abortion, I'm pro-life, but I'm not an abolitionist. And I say sort of. Right. And then I go on to explain, as you said, the dictionary definition of the word abolitionist. If we're going just by that, of course, I'm an abolitionist. Um, I want to ban all abortion with zero exceptions. Um, But um, as you as you said, there are two separate camps now. you know, and, and honestly, there are some people who would say that no matter under any definition, really, I am not an abolitionist um, because abolitionism um, in some corners has become it's it's a it's it's addressed to Christians, especially Christians, anti-abortion Christians who use the term abolitionism to describe to describe themselves as being like the modern day versions of the original um, anti-slavery abolitionist. Mm -hmm. And they say that they are particularly Christians who keep the gospel first. They believe that the the abortion issue from Christians need to be addressed centrally from a a Christ-centered gospel preaching point of view, uh, which of course, as a believer, um, I agree with. Although I would agree with certain aspects of what they might mean by that. But especially what abolitionists are known for is a term called immediatism, Mm -hmm. which is they believe that uh, pro-life bills as or or gradual incrementalist step by step pro-life bills, they would say is immoral. Um, In their words, to represent them fairly, they would say that if you have, say, something like a heartbeat bill, a heartbeat bill, they say is. Yes, you're saying that most abortions or some most abortions or some abortions are evil. But but then they would say, well, but then you're still sanctioning um, babies who are three, three weeks or less old who who do not have heartbeats yet. You're sanctioning their murder. So they would say that a pro-life bill like a heartbeat bill would sanction murder. And therefore, it is immoral and evil and Christians should not support it. That's their argument. And honestly, it's a a strong argument, I think, if you take it without context, in my opinion. But that is their view. They would say that it is, um, that's what a a truly abolitionist, anti-abortion Christian should only be supporting a bill that not only completely bans all abortions with zero exceptions, but they would also say, according to something they call the Gates, um, it's a bit of a long, it's an acronym, it's a bit of a long acronym, but they would say that uh, on top of banning all abortion, you also have to criminalize abortion as well, meaning that you have to 
a, in a truly immediatist abolitionist bill, you would also have to uh, charge or penalize women who have abortions. Now, unlike, frankly, I think most people who call themselves pro-life, I agree with that. But I would, I would disagree with the immediatist approach. I would say I'm okay supporting, as a pro-life incrementalist, I'm okay supporting any bill which will further help save more babies mm-hmm. until we are able to completely ban abortion. And I agree that in the future, when abortion is illegal, we should penalize anyone, including women, who have abortions. But I'm okay with that not being included just yet, so long as we're saving babies and helping to improve pro-life bills in the country. Yeah, and so let's talk about that a little bit because you you talk you mentioned a few things that I think is very important in this conversation. So and so let me just ask you a few questions, right? So we're talking about um, if you're just looking at biblical ethics, right? And some of these are just are, are very much that. Um, yeah. I would say the heart bill in and of itself is absolutely immoral and evil. Okay. Now, you made a very important distinction, which matters. And I think thinking Christians need to do a little better and think a little better about this. I think we can say that. And I think you would agree with that because you threw in the caveat of context, right? So if we were just looking at scripture and we look at a law that says, uh, homosexuality is okay. Well, then it, that, that law is against scripture, right? We look at a, a law that says you can murder some infants. doesn't really matter what the parameters are. That's an immoral, unjust, ungodly law, right? Yep. And I think all believers are on the same page, and you would be on the same page with that. Now, what I think um, that we have to do better at in terms of thinking through these things is the people who make our laws are largely godless people. I don't know that anyone would disagree with that. Uh, if they do, they're just wrong. Um, but, but, but largely, right, they're godless people. Um, and so when we have a law that says you can just murder infants, and then we have a law that is still in and of itself un- ungodly or, or immoral that says, you know what, we're going to restrict the murder in these areas I think then it's foolish to fight against that law, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think this is where the conversation ends up needing to go. So yeah. if I understand your position, right, as a pro-life incrementalist, you're not saying that you think the law in and of itself, the heartbeat law, let's use that example, is a, a perfect reflection of, of God's character and biblical morality. What you're saying is, since that's the law that's up front, since that's the law that's available, and it's better than what we have, it would be foolish to fight it since it looks like it can go through and therefore save some lives. Is that kind of your position? Absolutely. And um, if I can give an example to this, which I think is very helpful, um, this is why context is so important. Um, So I oftentimes say this in Canada and in many states in America. I'm I'm a again, this might confuse people even more, but hopefully they can follow me here in Canada and in many states in the U.S. I'm an incrementalist in very few states in the U.S. I'm an abolitionist or an immediatist. What I mean by that is this. In in the US, there are some places, very, very strongly pro-life states, 
where completely banning all abortion is probably possible. It can probably get enough support. Um, but in most states, it's not going to get enough support. So if I am in, say, Louisiana or maybe we talk about maybe more or Oklahoma, for example, maybe say let's use Oklahoma where they've more, they've banned almost all abortions now except for uh, you know rape or uh, incest circumstances, which is still evil, but it's better than what was before. Yeah. In that area, I'm thinking, well, if that can pass, it's probable that we can do more. We can say, you know what, let's just ban all abortion then, right? I would push for that in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. In California or Canada, while I would want that, and if it was possible, I'd push for that, I'm going to say, okay, let's, let's just improve the bill that's here. Now, here's why I mentioned this. In Canada, for example, only about 14% of the population is truly completely pro-life, right? Where they say that all abortion, it might be even smaller than that, but I think that's generally the number, 14% of, of the population. Now, for those who may not know, the context is this. In Canada, we are one of only two nations in the entire world, entire world with zero laws on abortion. We have zero laws on abortion. Um, North Korea and Canada are the only two nations. So theoretically, it is legal, it is possible to kill a baby in Canada um, the day before they are born. It's legal. Hmm. And, it, and it does happen in Canada. So only 14% are completely pro-life. They are where we are. But 90% of the population, when they are informed about what I just said to you guys about what's happening in Canada, they say, you know what? Wow. Well, I'm pro-abortion. But I think it's pretty extreme to have a bill that, to, to not have a single law on abortion in our country. So 90% say, you know what? Well, you know, they are pro, they're pro-abortion. They would support a bill that would ban late-term abortion. Do I agree with them that that's all it should be? No. But is my main goal to save all babies? Yes. But I'm thinking 14% agree with me on completely banning abortion, but 90% agree with me that, well, hey, late-term abortion is wrong too. Mm-hmm. Would it be really sinful or unwise for me to say, you know what, let's limit abortion then. And then hopefully when we are able to pass that together, then I can say, hey, guys, I'm glad you agree with me. But now, but now, well, what's the difference between a 25-week-old uh, pre-born baby and a 15-week-old pre-born baby? And then when I can convince them to say, you know what, sounds a good argument. I, maybe you're right. Then I can hopefully pull them more towards my side and incrementally keep changing their mind where they can come to completely where you and I are um, in terms of the abortion issue. That's what I'm thinking. So in some places, I'm an incrementalist. In few places, I'm an immediatist where I say, well, it's possible here to completely ban all abortion. Yeah. So, I, you know, when we're using these terms, um, you know, incrementalist uh, and, and those kinds of things, it sounds to me like if I and you can correct me, but how I would describe you based on, you know, I've read your article, we've had a, a private phone conversation and now the podcast, I would just simply say, yeah, um, Samuel Say is an abolitionist, and he calls himself a pro-life, but this is what he means, and he wants to end abortion um, right now, and in fact, he would agree with all of these uh, five you know, uh, components of abolition bills, but here's where he differs is he values wisdom and how to make that happen. 
right? Um, it, w- 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 would you yes. would you agree with something like that? And I think that's where I, I want to get people um, asking these questions. And and I, I think the difference is e- even in your article, if I must say, I think sometimes we're getting a little too hung up on needing to use one of these terms other or the other to such an extent that we're missing each other in in the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is we believe the same thing. I'm talking about faithful Christians, right? We want all abortion to end now. We agree that um, it's immoral, that it's a sin before God, that it's reprehensible. We all believe that it should be criminalized. So let me quote uh, a statement from your article, Samuel. You say, I agree with abolitionists that many pro-life advocates are afraid to call abortion what it is murder. I also agree that the life movement needs to stop repeating the ridiculous claim that abortive women are victims. You go on to say, and I quote again, God doesn't call women who offer their children as as a sacrifice to Molech as victims. We shouldn't either. Um, And and so I I think our issue between uh, the terms pro-life and abolition is is a failure to understand that that really, I think we're communicating all of us poorly because we're not talking about a difference in positions. We're talking about a difference in methodology. And, and so maybe if we used similar terms to describe our position and then helped one another understand the difference in methodology, we could eliminate some of the confusion. Because, uh, you know, in my mind, and I could be wrong, but I think the term on the surface, abolitionist, is a, a, it creates less confusion. It's not a tie to a political party, um, and it's a pretty generic definition for the position of Christians. That, that's why I prefer the term. Um, it, once you use the term pro-life, and again, just my, my opinion, I think instantly in, the, in America, you're tied to a political party. It, it's largely been used that way. And, and, and then there's just a whole lot of, well, I think the majority of um, probably political pro-lifers, so politicians, um, have a totally unbiblical view when they use that term, right? They, they would be pro-life yeah. with exceptions, uh, and they would be okay with a lot of those exceptions. Yeah. I think Christians that use the term pro-life yeah. are, are not in line with that even. But so I, I think mm-hmm. because I don't know that we're going to get to the place as a whole church where we can come to agreement on using one of these terms over the other. But I think what we can do is push people to ask the question, okay, great. So Sammy, you'll say you're pro-life. Can you help me understand what that means? And if we do that, that one simple thing, it eliminates all of this, right? Um, Because so let me go to these five questions you have here and just prove my point to people. I hope, you know, this is off the cuff. So I haven't even talked about this, but um, you, you've got these five, um, let's see, where, where are they here? Five components of an abolition bill. And I'm going to argue, not having talked to you about this before, that you actually agree with these things. So let me take them out of context just on the surface as biblical moral issues, right? Because that's where ethics yeah. start. Okay. Yes. Number one, outlaw abortion from conception. Is that something you would agree with generally? And then I'll let you comment at the end. Yeah, of course. Okay. Number two, include no exceptions for abortion. Would you agree with that? Of course. 
Number three, criminalize abortion itself and establish equal justice for the pre-board. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Number four, do not submit to the unconstitutional ruling of Roe v. Wade. Would you agree with that? Yes. That one's a little bit different in character than the others, but we'll go on. And the fifth one, repeal or supersede all statutes which allow for abortion. Yes. Okay. So principally, you you agree with all of the five components of the guys who would fit in this more defined abolitionist camp. camp. Yes. So you're no different. The difference comes in with with using wisdom in how to get an unbelieving, ungodly world to pass laws that are biblical and godly. And what you're saying is that um, in the in the fallen world we live in, in most places, the best we can do is incrementally change their minds and pass laws that step by step will yeah. will get closer to, to God's view. Right. Yeah. And, and as an abolitionist, I actually wouldn't agree with that. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I would agree with that. And yeah. this is and this is why. Um, and, and I'm and I'm, I'm going to happily uh, upset people on both sides, probably. But um, if let's take the heartbeat bill, because most people are probably familiar with that. Right. If if the heartbeat bill comes up and you have two options, you can support it. Or you can fight against it as an abolitionist if you're in that camp, right? Um, I would say you are actually doing an evil deed if you prevent that bill from passing with no other option available. Because basically what you're saying is um, we would rather all babies be murdered rather than some not be murdered. That that is a... Ethically, that is an evil position, yeah. right? Now, on the other side, I, I would say that um, if, as an incrementalist, your view is um, one that says, well, I don't want absolute uh, yeah. abortion end. I, I don't want abortion ended um, totally. And so I only ever want small incremental changes. And the end game is not abolition. Yep. If that is the incrementalist view, then that is also evil. Yep. But I don't think most Christians have either one of those views. And, and that's where the division is coming in from. And so we're talking again about wisdom and how to get an unbelieving world to save lives. Um, and, and that's really the, the heart of the issue, right? S- speak to uh, that. Eki, jump in if you want. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, so after that article... I actually got a lot of people, a lot of pro-life people upset because I said, not, look, I would say the vast majority of pro-life people would say that they've want to come to a point, not the politicians, but the pro-life advocates or average people, they would say, of course, they, want, they would also be abolitionist. But the one thing that they don't agree with me on is that um, they would say, no, women are victims of abortion. I say, well, that's ridiculous. That upset a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues. I say, yes, charge anybody, including um, abortive women um, for murder. Whether it's first degree, third degree, manslaughter, depending on the, on the scenario, they say, no, son, that's horrifying. How could you say that? A lot of them were upset by that. <laughs> and yet, the people who were most upset naturally by the article were the abolitionists. You know, I'm, I see the funny thing, it's not funny, but what's interesting to me is this, is that while you and I 
and Eki would agree with the abolitionist goal. If we don't agree with, oftentimes their method, their method, I can't say methodology. <laughs> there we go. Um, what I've been told is, and Sam, you are then not an abolitionist. Then it's that it's not just about the goal or even the principle. If you don't agree that, see, so those five components, it's, 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 they would say that an abolitionist bill, that has to be the case, all or nothing. And if I wouldn't, if I would say that anything less than that, it's okay. Including, for example, if say all four, say four of the five uh, components of the bill, uh, I agree with. But then I said, you know what, in this case, I don't think criminalizing uh, abortion um, would, would, would pass. If I don't support that, well, Sammy, then abolitionist then. Because again, all those five components have to be included. It's all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying, guys, this is divisive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's unpopular, but I would say that calling ourselves an abolitionist is not wrong. But the view mm -hmm. that unless you say that you have to support all five of these things in a bill or all or nothing, unless you, unless you agree with that, you are compromising you are being worldly. You are you are being complicit in murder, which I've been told. Uh, even though I would say I agree with on everything except for the methodology, I am a compromise. And I say, guys, that is not wise, you know. So, um, can so I make yeah. a statement about that right there? Let, let me yeah. just jump in on that right there. Yeah. It, here's the reality for people who take that view. I, I want to be real candid. If you could vote on, let's say, a heartbeat bill, and that was all you had to vote for, and you read these and you said, okay, it doesn't include all five, so I'm going to vote against it. If that is your view, you need to repent because you're a murderer, which is ironic because it's the very same thing they're accusing you of. Now, now let me be clear. The, the, the situation would dictate that. Right. The difference would be when you have a two bills that you could support, one would be an instantaneous total um, you know, abolition and one would be incremental and both of them are before you and you get to choose one or the other. Then in that case, I would argue every believer must choose for a media absolute because you have those choices before you. But that is rarely ever the case. And that's why I said before, I, we really need to think through this. So, so we have to be careful uh, if, if people are cl claiming to be abolitionists and they would accuse someone like yourself who claims who uses the term pro-life of being complicit in the evil, um, because if they would, by their own support or vote, cause more children to be murdered because they were unwilling to support the only thing available, which would, would be incremental, Actually, they would be the ones guilty of the very thing they charge you of. I and so we need to be careful. I guarantee you're about to get a lot of hate for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, but this is what I've been dealing with. And this is what concerns me, right? Where I'm like, um, you know, it, it's, see, the thing. This is the, this is the bizarre thing. As a pro-life advocate or anti-abortion advocate or abolitionist, whatever someone wants to call me, someone with my views, I'm getting a lot of hate from the abortion advocates out there. I expect that. Sadly, now I'm getting hatred from the so-called holistically pro-life 
Christians, the from womb to tomb Christians, the ERLC people who are saying, well, abortion is just one of many injustices out there. Sam, you know, you should be, you know, uh, you know, be, be a critical race theorist, be a feminist, be all these things out there. And they are actually causing so much harm within the church on focusing on the abortion issue. So I'm dealing with that. And now there's a group coming from my tribe saying, well, Sam, well, you are part of the problem because you do not want to support a bill that will immediately end abortion. Now, of course, I agree that I would support a bill that would end all that if it was possible. And even if it's impossible, I would support it. But that's not the only thing I would support. And even that, they will say, Sam, you're being complicit. And therefore, it means that the vast majority of people who would agree with me, who I think are, again, truly abolitionist in every sense, except for some people's narrow definition of it, they would say that we're being, they would say, frankly, I've heard people say this, that we are the pro-life movement, that the so-called Christian pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. So, or really the genuine anti-abortion abolitionists, they would say we we are just as dangerous as abortion advocates out there. This is, I've heard people truly say this. People were saying from my article that I may not be a Christian. <laughs> you know, right. and I wish this was, this was a small yeah. crowd, but it's not. And that's why I wrote the article because I'm like, guys, I don't think you realize what you're doing here. And I think because it's growing an influence within the church, I'm really concerned it will, it will, it will help derail the, the, the genuinely, truly yeah. anti-abortion believer within the church even more. You know, I have a talk I'm going to be doing um, at a uh, pro-life I keep saying pro-life, but whatever. Uh, anti, anti- anti-abortion. Ab- Maybe that's the term we should use. Yes. Yeah. Anti-abortion um, Christian group here called Created Equal. And they've asked me to address a lot of the interns who are going to be coming in on some of the challenges they will face as anti-abortion advocates. And one of the things I'm going to tell them, because and I know they know this. They told me, Sam, it would be really encouraging if you do this. I said, I'm going to have to encourage these guys that do not be discouraged by the abolitionist, right? Because many people are, because they're like, well, I mean, I hate abortion. I really want to end it, but I'm being told now I am just as bad as a abortion advocate if I have the same view that Sam has, the same view that R.C. Sproul has, the same view that John MacArthur has, the same view that a lot of people in the church have. And it's, it's really concerning to me that this view is growing. And again, I call them my allies. I disagree with their methodology, but... I know they want to end abortion the way I do. But unfortunately, many of them can't say the same about me. And not all of them, but many can't say the same about me. I'll say the most influential people. I, na- I named the groups in there. Um, groups like Free the States, groups like Rescue Those. I love many of the guys in there, but unfortunately, I would say they're very divisive in how they're going about doing things. You know, it's, it's a big charge to say that you're complicit in murder because, I mean, the way I look at it, if we started off from a starting state where abortion was illegal. And now there's a bill saying, well, we want to make abortion legal for up to three months. And you vote for that, then yes, you are complicit because you're starting from a state where there is no abortions being allowed. And now you're saying it's okay to abort. But we're starting in a state where abortion is free and legal uh, for uh, most situations that we can imagine. So the heartbeat bill is not legalizing abortion that's already illegal, but it's rather illegitimizing abortion that is currently legal. So it's actually going the opposite direction. So it's not complicity in murder. It's actually a contribution to actually rescuing those who would have who would have died if that bill didn't exist. 
So I, I think this is probably one of those areas, and, and we've we've talked about the words nuance and how it often gets um, abused. I think this is one of those areas where we need to be more nuanced in understanding um, people's views. And, and this is also why, personally, and, and, and this applies in a lot of areas, I, I, I start to hate labels um, because because the labels mean different things to different people. And, uh, and, and like, for instance, just recently, there's been um, kind of the resurfacing of well, Baptists can't be reformed, and you know, and all that. And I'm 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 a Baptist pastor. All right, I, I hold to a lot of uh, reformed doctrines. Um, but you know what? If you want to say I'm not reformed because I'm Baptist, I really don't care. Well, what I really want to know about a person is what what is it that you believe? Mm-hmm. And so as I was reading your article, I thought, well, Samuel Say is right on the nose. I mean, I I agree with just about everything I'm I'm reading here. In fact, I can't think of anything that I, I disagree with. Um, so it, we really need to. One, when, when we have these discussions, um, maybe at the outset of any discussion, let's define our terms. Um, but then second, when we start to make these kinds of accusations or when we defend against these accusations, you know, we, we need to think more critically about what it is that, that we're saying. Um, because if we have an opportunity to be able to rescue um, millions of, uh, of babies, even if it's not a full abolitionist approach, then, then we should take it. And let me give you the flip side too. And, and I'm being in California and, and, and Samuel, you made a joke about uh, not necessarily wanting to go to California. And I totally agree. I understand. I'm a pastor here. It's the, the land of fruits and nuts. Um, but uh, in, in California, they're in a lot of trying, different ways, <laughs> in a lot of different ways. They're, they're, tr- <laughs> they're, they're trying to. So in California, they're trying to pass a bill that that allows the murder of the child, even after it's been born up to like 30 or 31 days. And then that right there just goes to prove that, you know what, if you're talking about murdering a child after it's been born, it was never about reproductive rights. Uh, first of all, it was never about reproductive health. It was never about, you know, the, the, the woman's body and the woman's choice and all that. It really is about just wanting to take that child's life. And, and um, what I'm trying to get at is, as we look at a state like California, which is obviously on the kind of the bleeding edge of the progressive end, um, guess what they're doing? They're incrementally pushing you further and further and further away from God's truth. And and we as the church being light and salt um, on the earth, we need to do everything we can to stand up for what the truth is. And the truth is absolutely that abortion is murder. Um, but we also uh, need to take those victories where we can take them um, uh, rather than allowing the left to continue to push further and further to the left incrementally, which is what they've been doing. And it's accelerating more and more. Uh, we need to try to push it the other way, but just because we push it the other way and get an incremental victory doesn't mean we stop there. Um, what, what we hope is that, or at least from my point of view, what I hope is that when you get those incremental victories, um, you're you're preventing the conscience from being further seared um, against the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and now you've got some ground to work with. Uh, like Samuel, you brought up that uh, great example. Hey, what, what separates a child at 25 week, weeks versus 15 weeks versus 10 weeks? You know, And you start to get into those conversations and, and talk to them about what was really going on there. Um, then you, you can start to change some minds. And, and then next, next election, let's start to bring up a bill that further cuts it down. If it's not full abolitionist, uh, maybe it's um, up to... Um, um, two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. Um, but uh, but I think to take this all or nothing approach um, is basically giving the keys to the left because they are incrementally pushing it further and further away. Amen. That is man, that so wise. You know, as you were speaking, I remembered, um, you know, I remember two things is that, you know, the, you know, anti-abortion Christian like me, our, our support for uh, gradual or incremental uh, bills uh, to end abortion is very much, you know, ironically, 
um, in keeping with the original abolitionist like William Wilberforce. Uh, a lot of abolitionists claim that he was an immediatist, but that's just historically not true. He first uh, supported uh, limiting, limiting um, the number of slaves on ships for example, um, he then ended up, you know, limiting or pushing bills to limit the number of slaves that would be sold. Uh, and then, of course, he banned the slave trade before he could ban slavery. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. But especially now I'm forgetting the text fully here. So if I butcher it, I'm sure you pastors will be, will be uh, very wise to correct me. But I believe it was Christ, you know, when he was speaking to uh, the Jews about um, divorce, and he said that. You know, um, it was because of the hardness of your heart. Right. The certificate of divorce. That's right. Exactly. God is not for divorce. Right. Right. But God himself is saying, you know, that that you were so hardened. And that is why I, 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 um, you know, uh, that's why God then, um, you know, having Moses then have the certificate of divorce. The point is, we are not, of course, supporting any kind of abortion, but because of the hardness of our culture's hearts yeah. is why we're saying we are willing to incrementally, um, you know, um, you know, have heartbeat bills and um, other other bills so that we could eventually b- ban all abortion. Yeah, and, and I think that's good. That's so. That's in uh, Matthew nineteen, where where we're we're told that. Well, <clears throat> here's something else. If um. If you're totally against supporting anything that is incremental, I really just want to ask you about your sanctification, because sanctification is incremental holiness. Hmm. You know, as we become sanctified more and more through the renewing of our minds, through the washing of the word, we're increasing in holiness, and that is not an instantaneous thing. And so, my point in saying that is, you know, we need to be consistent um, when we're talking about doctrinal theological principles, ethical principles, you know, um, and, and if they don't, if you can't apply some of these principles across the board, then it's probably because they're not the best principle uh, that, that you can have. And so, uh, you know, and I think, again, when we talk about these things, we've got to take into account, yeah, I actually hate the word nuance, but Eki's right. This is one of those areas where wisdom demands um, not a nuance in, in the position, Right. But in how we deal with the issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to ask questions like, OK, so if you're if, if you're saying you're pro-life or abolition, what do you mean? Um, well, we do the same thing with evangelical. I don't know what that means anymore. What's an evangelical? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, in America, I don't even know what a Christian is anymore. Uh, it, you know, I, I know what the biblical definition is. Sure. But um you know, we, we've got J- John MacArthur says he's a Christian, and Joel Osteen says he's a Christian. And yeah. those two are not even in the same ballpark, yeah. right? And I think this is the same thing when we use the terms. And so the only pushback I might give you lovingly, brother, with your article um, is if we can somehow back away from generalizing either one of those two terms, Right. Yeah. Um, b- because you've got, you know, a lot of guys who would say they're abolitionists and their their view may be more derived just from a biblical understanding. And and yet they would happily support incremental laws because this is the world we live in and there's no choice. Um, and, and the same thing for pro-life people. You've got pro-life guys like yourself 
And then you've got quote unquote pro-life people like the ERLC, which in my mind is just owned by the devil and his minions. Um, You guys aren't even in the same camp. Right. And yet you would outsiders would hear you both saying you're pro-life. And if they didn't know that you were different from Russell Moore, um, you would be lumped into the same camp by nature of generalization. And so I, I don't know how to do that very well. But yeah. I, I think the one guard against it would be to not be offended by either one of those terms and to back up and say, you know what, this is a brother in Christ. So let me just ask some questions. Um, yeah. What do you mean by incrementalist? What do you mean by pro-life? You know, what yeah. do you mean by abolitionist? And then, you know, uh, conversations just like we're having with, with you here, as it turns out, we all believe and are striving for the same way, the same thing. And even down to um, the details of what laws we want passed and what laws we would support. Um, You know, it's one of those things where uh, I think, well, I I told you this on on, on the phone conversation we had privately. I think a lot of guys get into one of these other camps because they're they're contentious by nature and they just Mm -hmm. want an excuse to fight other people. And that's unhelpful. Right. Um, It's ungodly and it's unhelpful. And so what we can't allow Satan to do is take a move of God. And I do think this is an act of God if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Well, what else could it be but God's grace in America? Um, What we can't allow uh, Satan to do is then take a victory that ought to unify us and give us opportunity to go even further to create such division in the church that we're actually hindered in moving yep. further that yep. we can't, we can't allow that. We, we call sin, sin what it is. Uh, but, but when we get down to it, a lot of the accusations, you know, against you from, from one side to the other, they just aren't true accusations. Right. Yep. Um, and, and the scenarios used are, are faulty often, Um, And we've talked about that, right? You know, if you only have one law you can support. Now, if I'm writing the law, that's different. Um, Mm -hmm. If I'm writing a law, then I'm I'm just going to write a a, a biblically standard law, but I'm not a lawmaker. Uh, If I'm supporting a law, and that's what most of us are in in that that position, if I'm supporting a law and the only one I have just moves us a little closer to godliness, I would argue biblically that that you would be wrong to not support that law. Yeah. So whatever someone wants to call themselves, if you call yourself an abolitionist, if you call yourself a pro-life person, um, if you only have one law that you, and you can either fight against it or support it, and the result of that law passing would be to save lives, to restrict a, r- evil, and for whatever reason you refuse to support that, I would argue that biblically you're in the wrong and you should repent of that right um versus if you have two laws that you could support and we gave this example earlier you would want to support the most biblical of the two and we're all on the same page with those things yeah Yeah, and that's why in the article a lot of them didn't didn't like a lot of the people i was addressing didn't like this this is why i said that um well actually actually one if i can back up a little bit i think you know just, just to clarify, I am. I can wear different suits, you know, in the sense that 
I am okay being called an ab- ab- abolitionist or anti-abortion, pro-birth, as if it's an insult. I'm very pro-birth, um, but pro-birth, um, you know, pro-life. I'm okay with these things. I think, unfortunately, we live, as you said, we live the same way. I'm okay being called an evangel- evangelical Christian, born again, whatever it is, fine. I would say, yes, I'm evangelical, although, of course, those terms, because of the way things are being, you know, used or defined these ways that it's, it might be unhelpful. Um, but the reason why I think, you know, part of the problem um, is that there are, there are some groups of people who have owned the term abolitionist, where they say, no, unless you are completely in agreement with our methods, you are not one of us. And that's what the article was about to say. Well, based then on how some people are defining it, they would say that I'm not part of their team. And yet I say that an abolitionist, a, um, a, you know, even a, even a pro-life from womb to tomb person, even a, even a, you know, Anybody at all who would be willing to agree with me that let's end abortion, even if they don't completely agree with me on how we, how we go about things, I want to bring them into my camp so we can help save more babies. And then I can push them towards more of my side so that we can save even more babies. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, it, it's concerning to me that this is becoming more and more divisive. And, and that's why I, in my article, it wasn't very popular, but <laughs> I, I, I described the people I was referring to as a never Trump, as the pro-life or anti-abortion versions of the never Trumpers, because never Trumpers would make the argument that, well, how could you ever vote for Donald Trump considering his poor character? And I said, I mean, obviously I'm not American, but I would say, well, the reason why some of my loved ones who are in America, um, the reason why they did is because, well, they know that he is not a godly man, but he has a lot of godly um, values, at least godly things that he would support or, or push forward. And it's a lot better than Hillary Clinton. But yet a lot of the same people who voted for Donald Trump mm-hmm. um, making those same arguments saying, well, look, it's really because he is better than the alternative are now turning around to a lot of their colleagues saying it's wrong for you to say that an incremental bill is okay because it's better than the alternative. That's an inconsistency that I think is leading to so much division. Cause a lot of never Trumpers have the reason why the word evangelical and all these things now is become such a divisive term is because a lot of never Trumpers we're divisive. And I, and again, not all abolitionists, right? Uh, like I said, in some corners, people will call me an abolitionist. Some pro, some so-called pro-life people can't stand me now because I believe that it is, you know, it is wrong to call most women um, who are abortive. Victims, um, yeah. yeah. And yet yeah. I, you know, so I'm addressing some abolitionists and I really hope they will start to, you know, realize that, look, the three of us here may not agree that, um, you know, that, the only bill that we should support is an immediate bill. But of course we agree that we should end all abortion. And if we can agree on that, why divide ourselves? Why have these debates when the world is united in killing even more babies? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, brother. 
Amen. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the reason I reached out to you was because someone uh, commented on your article with our previous podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and so I thought, you know, let me just call Samuel and uh, ask more about his position and, and have a conversation because I'm pretty sure we're just using different terms and we don't really mean different things. And, yeah. and as it turns out, we don't. And it, but it but it takes, I think, a little bit of effort to ask these questions. And this effort is worth guarding against division. You know, I'm, you know, you, you think Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul's talking about uh, telling the Ephesian church, you know, to strive to preserve the unity, right, yeah. of the Spirit in the church. And I think this is one of those very um, practical times in the church where we're doing just that. We're, we're striving to try to preserve the unity, and the way we're doing that is taking a deep breath, maybe detach yourself a little bit from the terminology you want to use, and try to understand what your brother and sister's uh, perspective is. And if they're biblically wrong, then by all means, lovingly correct them. Mm-hmm. But I think what a lot of people are going to find out is, is just what you and I found out is actually we're for the most part, in total agreement, yep, right? Yep. Um, and, and so, in some sense, it, it, it you know, I've, I've decided I'm going to start calling myself after after we've had this podcast. I'm going to start saying I'm an anti-abortion, pro-birth, abolitionist, pro-life, <laughs> Bible-believing, evangelical Christian. Yep. I got he'll cover it all, um, <laughs> and then you can ask me what what I believe. And you can go to my church's uh, uh, mission st- statement. But anyway. Um, statement of faith. But I, I think if we do that, right, if we take the time to say, all right, w- what do you believe? It, and because if we do that, if I ask the ERLC, what do you mean by pro-life? They'll give me an answer. And then when I ask you what you mean by pro-life, you're going to give me an entirely different answer. And what I'm going to come to find is that you have the biblical position. And so I can link arms with you and say, praise God, amen, um, whatever, let's move forward and and help save the lives of infants um, versus just looking at, at your the, the word you're using to describe yourself and writing you off. And in some cases, dismissing you as a brother in Christ. That is such a heinous um, a, a travesty that I, I, I don't even really want to address it too much here. I'll go off on a, on a box. But heaven forbid we ever dismiss someone's Christianity based on using just a slightly different term without making the effort to understand what they mean by that. That, yeah. that is, at the very, very least, a sign of very immature Christianity to do yeah. something like that. Um, and, and so I, I hope this has been helpful for guys listening. Do you have any uh, ending thoughts or comments, Eki? And then we'll um, no, I, you know, I, I wanted to just share an observation for those who are listening, but not necessarily seeing it between the three of us guys. Um, we have pretty diverse backgrounds ethnically. I mean, Nathaniel, you're white. Samuel, you're black. I'm Asian. Um, and yet we're we're all reciting the same truth. And perhaps for another podcast, another time, we, we can talk about kind of the ugly side of how this has been racialized. 
right? This, mm-hmm. this issue, because some are saying that the overturning of Roe v. Wade is a ro- white supremacy position. Some are saying the next step is going to be to do ridiculous things like ban interracial marriages and, and whatnot. So I, I think um, it, it, this has been turned into a racially charged situation. And when you've made references to ERLC and, and the pro-birth, to, you know, the womb to tomb position, usually there, there's, there's a lot of race um, involved in that kind of uh, discussion. Uh, but what I love about this discussion here we are, three brothers, and I just mentioned, uh, you know, the, our differences in appearances. But in the end of it all doesn't matter because truth doesn't have a color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're 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 solidifying ourselves on the biblical foundation of truth and using biblical principles to think through these issues. And and the the issue of of abortion is that millions and millions of babies are continually dying on a re, you know a regular basis, um, and and it needs to be stopped. Um, and, and that that truth is because all babies, all people are created in the image of God. Um, it's not about color. It's not about gender. It's, it's not about any of that. You know, it's, it's about the fact that we as human beings are created in the image of God. And we want to be able to defend the right of all life, um, regardless of, of the situation, how it started, uh, what ethnicity is involved, what economic factors are involved. Um, life is sacred and, and God can use that life. Amen. Amen. Any last thoughts, Samuel? I, I can't, I can't say anything after what Eki just said. So, uh, no. <laughs> well, brother, thank you for joining us, and uh, you guys listening. I hope that this has been helpful. And so, until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.